I made a seven-year-old decision. Okay, right. my seven-year-old decision was because I would be telling people about my vision. I'd be telling people what I'm here to do, what my purpose is, and the people around me would not believe me. Yeah, they would put me down. They would criticize it. They would um, do whatever they're going to do. And as a seven-year-old, I made a very seven-year-old decision. Okay, and my decision at that time was if you, I'm just going to stop talking. I'm stopping talking. I'm not telling you anything more. Um, and if you're all you're going to do is put me down and criticize me and ridicule me, you can do you can do all of that for me being silent and quiet. But you're never going to put me down for what I'm here to do. And that was a seven-year-old's decision. So I actually stopped talking, and I wouldn't talk. Yes, no, maybe, sure, whatever. All right, because I actually went then into protecting that vision. I was protecting the purpose and I went, I'm just, and I held it very, very close in my heart and I held it that strongly. I got to a point where we were actually going to launch and actually build some of the schools, but everything got pulled out from under me and I went, okay, all right. This is like my really first experience of having a vision, not work, you know, coming up against a big, huge, massive obstacle of not working into tears for quite a little while so it was about two years of recovery <laughs> and at the two-year mark of just crying for two years right um, I was cleaning out my filing cabinet as you do and I came across that drawing that I did when I was five oh. and I'm looking at this drawing and I burst into tears I've got all these tears coming down I just went I have got to get up I have got to get up. These kids need me. I'm the one that holds this vision. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to Accentuate the Positive. So great to be with you again. So remember if you're a... Uh, watcher or a listener and you listen all the time remember to subscribe to the youtube channel or the itunes channel and remember to stay to the end because there's always announcements at the end so i have another delicious person to introduce you to a real game changer a change maker a difference maker she is a social entrepreneur she is a caregiver and a healer in many ways and um, an educator speaker author and lover of life her name is stacy Housh, welcome to the show, Stacey. Thank you, Karen, very much for having me here. It's a pleasure. Now, I met Stacey, oh gosh, it's got to be like four or five years ago, hasn't it now, at, a, at an event that you were speaking at. But a lot has changed since then. A lot has changed. So we're going to talk about what Stacey's up to at the moment. She's up to something quite extraordinary. So if you're a healer or a change maker yourself or a teacher or a blogger, you might like to get involved and um, so stay on the line and keep listening. But I want to go into Stacey's story because you have quite an extraordinary story. Where do we start, girl? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just start at the beginning. Let's start at the beginning. Okay, how old are you? What was happening? What's happening? All right, so how we're talking about from the idea of my concepts and how we are today, yes? Yeah. Or, you know, you can start, usually starts in our childhood somewhere along the line. You know, when I start my story, I'm like, I'm 16, my mother died and I'm asking why, you know, that's where I start usually. So like, how old were you when you were asking why, who are we, what am I doing here? Okay. All right. Um, I was actually, I was about four, possibly five. So I was about four or five years old at the time. Mm. And what was happening is I was actually just sitting on my lounge room floor at the time and I got this incredible vision, just this massive vision, and it just came right through me. And it was this unbelievable knowing that this is what I'm here to do. This is my purpose. And what came through is that I was a mum to all these kids out there in the world. 
try and, and you ask you were four. You said you were four yes. at the time. Wow. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. This is, I, I know because most people go, oh, yeah, that's not possible. And I go, oh, well, it's it, possible. It is. It is, right? And I understand a lot of people, you know, don't find out their purpose until later in life. But I knew mine. I knew my purpose. I knew what I was here to do. I knew exactly everything. And the vision that I had was about building schools and homes for these kids ever all around the world, safe homes and safe kids and schools and homes. And I drew it on a piece of paper. I actually drew it and I had uh, the map of the world with me standing on top and I had all the, um, the schools with the teachers and all the kids and I had a little book as well because there was actually a picture of the book there and then I had the homes and everything too. So it was very crystal clear and it was a very strong, innate knowing this is what I'm here to do. So I, I start telling people because that's what kids do. They talk. Kids talk, right? And I said, you know, this is what I'm here to do. People would ask me, adults around me would actually ask me, you know, what are you going to do when you grow up? And I go, well, I'm actually going to be a mum. I'm going to be a mum to all the kids out there in the world. And they're going, no, you can't because you've got to birth children. And I go, no, I'm not having children, right? And I knew at the age of four, I was not having any children, not of my own, okay? But I would mother the children everywhere I went. And this has actually been very strong because as I would grow up, I would be seven years old and I'd be giving mothering advice. And I came across all these different kids. I came across kids who were 19 years old and I was only 20 and I was giving them advice of what they needed to do or how they could, you know, solve their problems and things like that. So my entire life, I've always come across kids that have needed advice, they've needed help making decisions, they've needed a bit of guidance, and I would not have been any much older than they themselves. And I'd give them all that advice. It's almost like I had knowledge and wisdom far beyond my years, like way beyond my years. I'm like a really old soul coming right through. And... I started this. Yep. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking, uh, as a four-year-old, what what do you do with that information? I guess you've just told us. You just kept imparting advice. Like, I know who I am, and I know why I'm here. Like, because here's the thing: it's all very well to know who you are and why you're here, but then implementing that in the world and getting other people on board to support you in your vision and who you are and and owning that vision you know that that's a whole nother story which we'll go into so um children usually anyway keep going keep going all right so um about seven i made a seven-year-old decision okay right. my seven-year-old decision was because i would be telling people about my vision i'd be telling people what i'm here to do what my purpose is and the people around me would not believe me yeah they would put me down they would criticize it they would um do whatever they're going to do and as a seven-year-old i made a very seven-year-old decision okay and my decision at that time was if you I'm just going to stop talking. I'm stopping talking. I'm not telling you anything more. Um, and if you're, all you're going to do is put me down and criticize me and ridicule me, you can, do, you can do all of that for me being silent and quiet. But you're never going to put me down for what I'm here to do. And that was a seven-year-old's decision. So I actually stopped talking. And I wouldn't talk. Yes, no, maybe, sure, whatever. All right? because I actually went then into protecting that vision. I was protecting the purpose and I went, I'm just, and I held it very, very close in my heart and I held it that strongly. And for the rest of my life, up until about the age of 18 or 19, I wouldn't talk. You couldn't get me to talk. You couldn't get me to participate in life because I was really protecting that vision. And when I moved out of the house, I was like, okay, I'm in my own space now. And there was only one or two weeks in my own space. I said, right, this is it. I'm in my own place now. I'm making this happen. 
and I just started putting all the wheels in motion, started to make it all happen. I started um, running parenting skills workshops. I started um, um, doing business management skills and I started doing everything. Where, all right, I need business management and I need this and I need that and just putting it all together. And I, I got to a point where we were actually going to launch and actually build some of the schools, but everything got pulled out from under me. And I went, okay, all right, this is like my really first experience of having a vision not work. You're coming up against a big, huge, massive obstacle of not working. And it was a little bit daunting at the time and I got a little bit swayed by it. And I just put everything down and I went into tears for quite a little while. So it was about two years of recovery mm -hmm. <laughs> and at the two-year mark of just crying for two years, right, um, I was cleaning up my filing cabinet as you do and I came across that drawing that I did when I was five. Oh. And I'm looking at this drawing and I burst into tears. I've got all these tears coming down. I just went, I have got to get up. I have got to get up. These kids need me. I'm the one that holds this vision. No one else has got this vision. I'm the one that's got the vision. I've got to get up because they need me. And I said, okay, all right. So I started sitting in meditation at this point and I was talking to the universe and I just said to the universe, you tell me how am I supposed to do this? Because everything I have done doesn't work. Everything I've done just got pulled out from under me and it just failed. Right, so you tell me this is what I'm meant to do. I'm a mum, I'm supposed to build these schools, I'm supposed to build these homes for these kids. How? How do I do it? I was sitting in meditation, eyes are closed, you know, as you do. And the next thing, I got this vision, this massive vision comes straight through me, and it's like, and these words, it was actual words that came right through me. It was a, a very deep sounding voice of you're not meant to do anything everything is already here everything already exists the passion already exists the people already exist the projects already exist your job is just to bring everybody together that's all you have to do and i went okay sure I'll do that. <laughs> so hence I started an online shop called Tea Tree All For Good and I was bringing all the projects together and I was bringing the communities together and things like that. And that shop has now closed. That ran for a couple of years and a book came from that particular project because I was looking at, okay, so for the last 30 odd years I've been a mum to all these kids right? I've been a mum to over 30 children already and help them, guide them, teach them, love them, believe in them, be their cheer squad. So, so who are the kids? Are they street kids? Are they, um, where are their parents? These kids just gravitate towards me, Karen. I could be on the bus and there'd be children sitting in front of me and we have a conversation. I'd be in a shopping centre and we just, I'd just start talking to the people behind the counter. Um, there, was, there was a young gentleman, he was a chef, and we just started a conversation and we helped him out. And I was also in a job once. I was doing some, I was in a call centre and there was a group of, young gentlemen and they were wanting to go and do some car drifting and things like that and they needed a bit of guidance on how to do all of these things um so i've been in different jobs i've just walked into restaurants i've walked into fruit and veggie shops i have just been sitting on the bus i they gravitate towards me and they just start talking so, so when you say kids you're talking like young adults yeah anyone from about the age of 16 to 25 that's right. usually when i get them which is really interesting. So tell me something. Why did you feel like you had to reinvent the wheel? Why didn't you sort of go into child services or become a teacher or like you knew that you were there to be there to educate and support children. Why didn't you go into like institutions that are already doing that? I 
couldn't tell you because it just wasn't in the plan. I, I, it, it, I, I don't know why I didn't do that road. It just didn't feel right. None of it felt right. So the school that you want to, um, you want to build schools, is that what you want to do? Well, that was the vision when I was about four or five, building schools and homes. How would they be different to the schools that are out there now? Well, some of them aren't. It's, I've like, being an adult, I've learned about all the different school systems. So we've got like the state school systems, private school systems, but there's also homeschooling. There's also Montessori schooling, Steiner schooling, and some of the other independent schools as well. And I've had a look at, you know, how the different schools run, how they operate, how they actually assist the kids in being educated, how they learn and things like that. And my actual preference is if I actually had children, I would homeschool kids, right? And I say to people, if you can homeschool them, great. If you can't homeschool them, send them to like a Montessori school or a Steiner school or something like that, where the child is actually directed in what, it, what that child is interested in. So they will learn what they're actually interested in. And this makes a lot of sense to me because a lot of people, even when they're very young, come here and they know what they're here to do. They know what their purpose is, yeah. right? But people around them, will say, no, that's not what you're going to do. You're going to do this. You're going to be a doctor. You're going to be a lawyer or a dentist or a, a whatever because that's what mum and dad want. And it's like, no, if you actually listen to your child, they will um, be very self-directed in their learning, but you need to help them to learn. You need to help them uncover and discover all the different aspects of that particular topic that they're really interested in. Mm, mm, mm. Um, like I came across this one child he wouldn't be anything more than about 12 or 13 mm -hmm. totally fascinated with trains oh no he's nine nine eight or nine totally fascinated with trains anything you ever do is you can talk about trains with him and his dad came to my door one day and we just had a bit of a conversation and his dad was explaining, you know, if you're going to be into, into all these trains, you've got to go and do engineering and all these things. And, you know, he's never just going to, and his dad's like, oh, you know, he's never going to do it and he'll never work out all this stuff. And I said, you know what? Why don't you be the dad that gets behind him and supports him? Because right now he's exploring the world of trains and we don't know what's going to happen in 30 years' time. In 30 years, we may need his invention. We may not have electric trains anymore. We may have because he wanted to build a train that was all run on um, biodiesel or water. And so he's actually trying to build an engine like that. And I said, just get behind him. Be the dad that gets there and supports your son and says, son, it's okay. I know it hasn't, your idea hasn't worked today, but I know and I believe that you will find the answer. Because you know, in 20 years' time, you don't want your son going, oh, yeah, my dad never supported me. You want to be that dad that goes, yeah, um, you, your son's out there talking to people. Yeah, my dad was my biggest cheer squad. He always believed in me and he knew I could do this, you know, and that's the difference. So I, and you could see the cogs turning in that dad's face at that time. And dad was like, oh, oh, yes. And he changed. It was like, go, son, I know you can do it. Come on. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, Thomas Edison found 10,000 ways that do not work of inventing the light bulb before he found the one way that does work. And maybe his son will be that same inventor one day, you know. And this is the sort of thing that I want to do. You know, get behind these parents and help them. Get behind these kids and help them. It's like the other day um, I was talking, he was, there's another little boy and he's hunting snakes and I'm having lunch with his mom and him and his sister and he's going, I'm hunting snakes. I said, really? I said, uh, have you done a snake handling course? And he goes, no. And I said, well, if you're going to hunt them, you better know how to handle them, right? And I'm talking to his mom later on and I said, you know, and mom's like, oh, I don't want him hunting snakes. You know, they could bite him and he could die and blah, 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 blah. And I said, what if 
what if he did a snake handling course and he learned the difference between a poisonous snake and a python snake. He learned how to catch the snake properly. He learned how to handle it, pick it up, transport it. If you teach him this stuff, you have educated him, then at least it will prevent 99.9% .9 of the bites. And mum's like, oh, you've actually got a good point. Yeah, okay. And mum allowed okay. him to go to handling class. Sounds like you're educating the parents, not the children. It sounds like it sounds like you know that the children know, like you did. It kind of sounds like your life. So, did your parents support you when you said, "I'm going to be a mum to the world's children"? And no. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like you want to educate the parents because you are one of those kids that knows, and so really you're. You're not a mum to the children. You're a mum to the parents. Because, wow. you're, because here's the thing, the kids that are in, well, you're talking young adults, but like the kids that are here now, like the young ones, under five, under seven, under nine, are just incredible. They're just amazing. Uh, we don't need to educate them. Our, our school system's so archaic. You know, they should be educating us. <laughs> They're just so much more advanced than us. But then there are a lot of, parents I suppose or people that are just you know repeating the like they say in the bible the sins of the father visited on the son they're just repeating the same old negative fear-based beliefs regurgitating them back their mother said it and their mother said it and their mother said it and they're just regurgitating the same old fears um, and these kids just go what <laughs> like you crazy they just don't take it on anymore like they just don't take it on and uh so it sounds like you're educating the, the parents, yeah. A bit of both, a bit of both. Because sometimes I get the kids and I don't ever meet the parents and so I'm educating and helping them. And sometimes I actually do get to meet parents as well. And so I'll just help mum or dad just understand where their child is at and just help them, give them a little bit of a, you know, what if, you know, you give them a bit of knowledge or help them be there or be their biggest cheer squad, you know. And I'll, con I'll always do that. Always do that. So when I met you a few years ago, you had the shop and you were yes. selling products in the shop that was trying to raise money to support these children, to support yes. your vision, right? So that was what you were doing back then. And you were struggling. You were struggling financially. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, guys, things haven't changed in the financial <laughs> so I'd love for people to support your vision I really would I'd really love for people have you got any sort of donation thing set up on the website I know we're going to talk about the you know the thousand ripples which is the next brainchild of Stacey but have you got any sort of donation link where people can support you uh, if they go to Global Children's Fund, yes, so www.globalchildrensfund.org.au, there is a donation link. And yes, you can support the different projects that we are supporting at that point. So we've got literacy and numeracy programs and some certified organic farm programs and um, education school programs and things like that. So yes, all of that is there. Cool. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you shut the shop down. All right, yes. It's, it's not really working to support your vision and you something else was birthed let's let's start there <laughs> karen i have this most amazing project it's called 1000 ripple effects and this particular project is so on purpose and so on part of the vision it is unbelievable it is a book and I'm inviting 1,000 people to each write a story and be a part of the book project because we're creating 1,000 ripple effects right across the world, right? It doesn't cost anything for people to be an author and write a book, uh, write a book, I mean write a story for the book. And the stories themselves are only 1,200 words in length, so it's a very short story. The overriding theme of this whole book is what advice do you give the 15 to 21 year olds who are making that really important and very significant transition from boy to man, girl to woman? So they're transitioning from being that child into an adult, right? 
because this is where they start to become the man that they're going to be. This is where they're going to become the woman that they're going to be. This is where they start standing in who they are as a person. What do they value? What's important to them? Where do they belong? How do they fit in the world? What's my purpose right now? How do I manifest all of that and create the world and the life that I'm here to do? Mm. That's where they need that guidance. And what I plan on doing is when the book is ready, so the book will be ready about the 1st of November, 2018. So we're a good 12 months away yet, okay? When the book is ready, we're going, I'm actually planning to visit all the different countries and we'll actually give away the books to those kids who are 15 to 21. In 12 months' time, there's going to be another 200 to 300,000 kids turn 15. So we will give away another 200 to 300,000 books to those kids. The following year, the same thing again. There'll be another 200 to 300,000 kids. We'll give them all away again. This is a very perpetual project. This is one that's going to help with that major rite of passage. A lot of the... Uh, Eastern cultures have a rite of passage for their young boys and young girls. In the Western culture, not quite so much. There are some people who are actually hosting the rites of passage and they very supportive of the dads and the mums and saying, this is how you help your young one transition into this beautiful adult that they are going to be. Look, one of the things about transitioning from a child to an adult, and I've gone through it with my niece and my daughter, is the agreements that we have with um, money, with survival. So if you're a child, everything's provided for you, right? You don't have to do anything. You just study, you go, you go to school, you go out with your friends, your parents give you money, right? You need to buy something, your parents give it to you. And then one day you're not a child anymore and your parents say, Go out and earn your own money. And some people are really good at that. Well, what they usually do is they just copy the way their parents did that. So if there's a hardworking, you know, parent that works, the, the child does that too, gets a job at a supermarket or stacking the shelves during the, you know, the night or whatever they do and they work hard and they earn their little dribs and drabs of money and they save. And, but that transition from going from being completely and utterly and totally supported to being sufficient on yourself, that's, that's a big transition for, for many people. And, um, yeah, I've got to say my daughter didn't do that too well. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then I've got my niece living with me who's 20 who is learning about that. You know, she's, so she's living with Auntie Karen and, and she, she comes into my home straight from the parents' home and expects me to provide everything for her and, but declares herself as an adult. And I said, okay, let's look at this adult. I said, give me the definition of an adult. And she's like, well, I know how to think and I know how to feel and I know what I want and I know who I am. And I said, okay, is that the definition of an adult? And um, I said, let's have a, the definition of a child and she's like well i don't know like a child is someone that is provided for looked after their washing is done the house is cleaned the bills are paid um you know they're they're dependent on someone and i said an adult is somebody that buys their own food cooks their own food pays their own bills <laughs> provides for themselves I said basically that's the definition between a child and an adult I said which one are you and she's like definitely a child but wants to be an adult not understanding what being an adult is and uh, so she's been with me for a couple of years and she's only just started now buying her own food <laughs> it's really interesting to watch it so yeah but usually we take on the beliefs around money from our parents Mm. and uh, how did you go in that transition? Kicked out into the world like the baby birds kicked out of the nest and has to learn to fly. I left on my own. I, I made my own way in life, and I've been making my own way for a very long time. And I've started my own businesses, and I've, I've actually started five different businesses, and each of them have been very successful and I've been able to live off each of them, which has been really good. And this one is going to be exactly the same. 
So, because there's a massive business plan behind this particular book. It's not just about a book being given to some children out there so that they've got knowledge and wisdom and guidance. It's also about the authors as well. The authors are going to have a marketing platform and a, a platform of where they get to speak about their voice. What is their message? What are they here to do? What is their business? What are they, how do they serve our community? And if we get behind all of these authors and we actually showcase their business, showcase their message, that's creating a thousand ripple effects out there in the world. We get them into the community and we get the people in the community knowing about them and knowing how much they are actually needed in our community because this is phenomenal. I have over 300 authors in this book already. All right, I've still got another 600 to go, but that's, we're on the way. <laughs> we're well on the way. And I have listened to all 300 stories already and where they've come from, all their backgrounds, what their businesses are, what their purpose is, um, what their ideas are, what their visions are. And I'm just like blown away, totally, Karen. And I have, I'm actually starting a, 1000 ripple effects tv show as well right and the thousand ripple effects tv show we're going to have a mobile tv studio so i have video cameras tripods green screens lighting with me and we're just going to travel and i'll be traveling into all the different countries all the different communities and interviewing the people there finding those people who are servicing the community and really bringing forth their business their message their their strength and connecting them, really connecting them. Like already I've got, um, we, we wanna create a, we, we've already identified in the health area that some of the medical centers are not trauma informed. They're, the receptionists and the doctors don't actually know what a traumatized patient looks like when they present to the medical center. And one of the authors in the book actually runs training for medical centers and health professionals in and she creates trauma-informed practices and i went that's what we need to get into the communities you know where if a traumatized person actually does present to the medical center they're not being yelled at they're not being accused of um, attacking the staff because they're not um, as i've learned when someone is in the trauma, their brain totally disengages mm. and there's no logical brain at all being connected. They're in a mode called flight or fight and they are just like, I need help right now and they can, be, they can appear very over the top and they're looking for a place of safety, a place of trust that they can go to. And we want to educate those medical professionals. So that's one of the ripple effects that we're going to be creating along our journey. And how many people in the team with you? At the moment, Karen, it is me. <laughs> so this is why I asked this question. I'm, I'm putting it out there to people who might like to get involved with you, people that feel passionate about what you're passionate about. To maybe you know because it takes a bit of a tribe to get something like this it's you've got a big vision and you're one person so i think you need some help honey <laughs> anyway i've got a team of people the, that blogging i've got a team you've got the bloggers yeah but this is the first step you know like putting your story out there is um and yes. and your vision out there is the first step but uh yeah I, I actually joke with my business mentor, right? And I've said to him on occasions, I said, how does a solopreneur do the work of five people without actually adding any extra hours to their day? I said, it's called automation. <laughs> You've got to automate everything. You've got to automate all the social media and automate all of the email responders and things like that. And I said, okay, well, this is how I'm doing it. Yes, I'm one person, but I'm actually getting quite a lot of work done because I've actually automated a lot of the systems that are in here. And I tell you what, Karen, I would love for people who share the vision, who share the passion to be a part of this with me, share the journey. Mm. Right okay, the so you're, 
you're looking for some authors to write uh, a story. So 1200 words, which is easy because, you know, as, as you know, I'm putting a book series together. We've got 10 to 12 authors per book. So I don't know how you're going to fit a thousand in one book. I would suggest that maybe you make a, a series of books, you know, because I think about how big this book's going to be at a thousand times 1200 words. Okay. So <laughs> What I'm planning on doing, Karen, is the Thousand Ripple Effects book is actually going to be a box set of four books. Right. Okay. Okay. So we've got book one, two, three, and four, and it'll be sold as a box set. And it will be... So will yeah. each book have a different focus? Yes. Like it does. maybe there's one about, as we spoke about, you know, supporting yourself, sustaining yourself. Maybe there's one about sexuality and relationships. Maybe there's one about friendships and relationships and purpose, one about purpose and drive okay. or passion and stuff like that. <laughs> There's actually different topics in each book. And mm -hmm. when people go to the website, all the topics are actually broken down for them and they can actually see what topics are in what book. So book number one is all about family. What right. advice does father give his son? What father advice and daughter? Mother and son, mother and daughter or family. Okay, so that's where that one is. And please don't ask me the rest of them. I can know the topics, but I don't know what book they're in at the moment. So people can write on love. They can write, write on relationships or communication or listening. They could write on trust and honesty, purpose and belonging. Where do I fit in this world? They can write on business, marketing, choices. Now, that's been a big topic. You always have a choice, you know, um, there's so many topics that they can choose from and the topics are really broad as well. So it gives them a lot of scope and they, and it can just fit, you know, if they want to write on love, it could be love in, um, a marriage. It could be love between a parent and a child. It could be love between siblings. So there's a lot of broadness in there. The topic of life. Now, life itself could be anything. You could, you could write on running a business or um, having the attitude of gratitude. You could write on it's really important to understand the choices that you have in front of you. Mm. So for people listening to this uh, who think, oh, I could write about that, what are the sort of people that you're looking for? I, I, do they have to be professional uh, coaches, teachers, healers? Who are they? Who are you looking for? Or can they be maybe somebody that's been on a spiritual journey? They've got a corporate job that maybe they think they might want to quit one day, but they've done a lot of, they've got a lot of, you know, a lot to share. Who are you looking for? <laughs> oh my gosh. The, the quickest answer to this is everybody. Okay. Um, some people have said, oh, look, I'm not a writer. And I said, that's okay. You don't have to be a writer to write a story. I want you as long as you are passionate about these kids and go, yes, I really want to be there for them. I really want to you know, impart some knowledge and some guidance. That's the person we're looking for. Be the mum that they've never had. Be the dad that they have never had. Because a lot of these kids reading the story won't have had that. Okay. So you're just looking for anyone who thinks they've got some good advice. Like, Absolutely. They don't have to be a professional per se. They're just somebody that thinks that maybe they'd like to contribute to the younger generation and they've got something to say. Yes, exactly. And everybody so far has come from a different walk of life. I've got people who've run and started their own businesses. I've got people who have been in the natural therapies or the healing field for a very long time, very connected to the universe. I've got people from who've been teachers, youth workers, uh, mums, just mums, dads. Yeah. I've got someone who used to be a firefighter. Just go in and put out all the fires. I've got people who have come from every angle, every walk of life, every profession, and everybody is welcome. Our youngest contributor is eight years old. Cool. She's in two. We've got one eight-year-old, we've got a nine-year-old, and I think he's about 10 or 11. So, so there's yeah, no got, age restriction? No. Even the, the, the four-year-old can write. Yes, yes. Um, if they're under the age of 18, I ask mum and dad to have a parental guidance. So they need parental permission and they need to 
um, sign a parent permission slip for their under 18 year old to be in the book. Okay. Um, our oldest contributor so far is in his 80s. He's almost 90. And we've got two gentlemen. And we've got people who've got cerebral palsy. We've got people who are deaf. We've got people who are blind. They're all writing a story. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. They all have a story to tell. So how are you going to distribute these books? Are you going to take them into schools and just give them away? Here you go, guys. Take some books. <laughs> well, there's going to be a couple of different ways. Yes, there's going to be a physical book. And um, there's also an option. So there will be an audio book. So for any child out there who cannot read or write, they can listen to every story that there is. Cool. And so there'll be a physical book, an audio book, and probably like an e-book or something like that. And the books will be given away um, if we are allowed to do it through the school system and the, the school principals are totally on board with it, sure, that's how we'll do it. If they say no, then we'll find another way. I'm thinking, you know, like a community centre, we have like a weekend where all the kids in the community can come down and get given a book or things like that. If they're in an orphanage, like they've grown up in an orphanage or they've grown up in foster care homes, we'll go into the orphanage or the foster care system and give them that way. So, yeah. Because yeah. I'm thinking, you know, I know that you're passionate about helping kids that are, like a really in strife, like a really in strife. They might be runaways, they might be homeless, whatever. Um, they usually, those sort of kids usually don't have time to get a book and sit down and read it because they're sort of so busy surviving. So how do you reach those kids? Do they have mobile phones? I guess they do. Even when they're, even the homeless kids have mobile phones, right? So they're what? They're listening to it as a, a download on their mobile phone yeah i have looked at that because that's where the audiobook will come in mm -hmm. so if it's like an e-book or an audiobook there'll most likely be some sort of you know app or something that they can actually go through through there so i will look at that a little bit closer to the publishing date of yeah. how we're going to do the publishing of the books um, because we're still 12 months away, I haven't quite looked at the publishers just yet because I still want to get the other 600 authors into the book. And that's where my main focus is at that moment is gathering the other 640 people for this book project. <laughs> Some days I just go, oh my gosh, okay, well, you know, we've got 300, so let's just keep going. And Well, you know, if you've got 300, you could launch book one. I mean, I know you've got the vision to have the book pack, but... You know, you can sort of launch it and then while you're getting the rest together. Well, yes, it's just that those people have all their stories are spread out through all the different, different four books. books, right? Yeah. I see, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather just launch it all at one go rather than book one and then book two. Oh, cat, hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I love cats. I'm a cat person. Hello. What's this one's name? Drake. Drake. He's, named after, he's named after a black rapper. I did not name him. Actually, the next, I, I, he was given to me from my next door neighbour. Look, my little black cat of 30 years died, uh, 20 years, she was 20 years old. And um, I wasn't going to get another cat. And this one turns up in my, in my garden. And then, <laughs> because the new neighbours move in, and then they give, give him to me, he's a boy. And they said his name's Drake, named after a black rapper. And then they give me his papers and on the papers the name says Marley. So we don't know what his name is. Marley, Drake, <laughs> Puss. I call him Puss. But uh, he's very cute. Okay, back to the book. So Yes, yes. So you want to launch it at the end of next year, November yes, next year, October next year. Absolutely. Now, there's also a little bit of a, um, there's a, when we launched the book on the 1st of November, 2018, we are also recorded as having a Guinness Book of World Record attempt for that same date. And the Guinness Book of World Record is the most number of authors contributing to an anthology of short stories. So having all 1,000 people in there, each contributing a story, and that record attempt is made, then all of the authors will actually hold a Guinness Book of World Record record. Okay. So I'm trying to 
figure this out because you know the chicken book of the soul series have sold millions of books across the planet and they're exactly the same concept it's the same idea it's people's stories in books and some of the stories are much shorter they could be just a paragraph and some are a couple of pages like 1200 words some are a little bit longer some are, uh, but there are just oh, there are thousands of authors that have contributed I've got to say the difference because I looked into the chicken soup of the soul books when I was putting my book series together the difference is that the authors are not really showcased their stories are like a little story and you go oh that's cute oh and you remember the story you don't even remember who wrote it uh you know what country they lived in who they were what age they were what sex they were you just remember the little story whereas i think that what you want to do and what i'm doing too with the book series is really sort of focusing on the author and having them more showcased so that you can say who wrote this story and how can i read up more about you and then you find them Yes, absolutely. When you actually go to the website and you click on the author's photographs in the website, you some of the authors have actually put their bios in there and there's radio interviews about them and there's website links and how to contact them and there's information about the each of the authors. And there's actually going to be radio interviews, blogs done about the authors, and through the TV show, we're going to do TV interviews as well. So we really want to bring those authors through. And the reason for this, Karen, this is really, 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 really important to me, is that the authors have made this book. The authors are the village and have contributed to this book. The authors are the ones bringing the knowledge. They're the ones bringing the wisdom. They're the ones bringing the passion, the love, the care. Do you want that reads the story? Do you want to connect the authors to their audience? Absolutely, definitely, yes. Like when I say the audience, like the kids, like you gather a group of kids, and then you invite a couple of the authors to come and share with the kids. Like that's just something I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So this is an opportunity for all you people out there with great advice that maybe you don't want to write a book or maybe you don't want to even do a YouTube or even write a blog. Maybe you can get involved in something like this and uh, start sharing your great advice with the younger generation or even, as we spoke about before, even the parents of the younger generation who um, <laughs> yes. might need a little bit of advice. I know I could have <laughs> used a bit of advice <laughs> when I was a young parent. <laughs> Actually, I, I have a philosophy and that is every parent needs to be supported on this journey. Mm. Every parent needs to be supported because they're going in and they have a child and that child will do whatever they're going to do. But the parents themselves go, well, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's going to work. Right. So you've got to be really patient and have a lot of patience and a lot of understanding for every parent going through this journey of raising a child. Be there for them. Listen to them. Especially the, especially the galactic kids that are coming in because there's just so many galactic. You know, I, I was walking the labyrinth with this unusual, delicious, divine galactic goddess the other day who's my age. So she's mid-50s, right? And she's from the Ukraine and she, her parents did not know how, who she was or how to cope with her or like, and, and she was just so beyond. She's like a, she's like a, you know, a vision from the future, this woman. And um, she couldn't relate to her parents and her parents couldn't relate to her. And she was just telling me her story about she left home at 17, she arrives in Australia and she really has had nothing to do with her parents for the last 40 years. And it's kind of sad, really, because um, it's kind of sad. It was a sad story. And, and, and all these years later, even though she's this amazing galactic goddess that speaks the language of light and downloading codes and just incredible woman, she still had that sadness in her heart that she never had the support that she would have liked, like you would have that support of a parent. And Yeah, it was an interesting story. Do you know what? It's an interesting story, but it's also a very common story. Mm. There are so many kids out there who have not been able to connect with their parents and the parents have not understood them. Yeah. And this is very, very common. I see it everywhere. And there is a very deep sadness in the heart of these kids. They carry that sadness because all they've ever wanted is to do things with their dad. 
or their mum. And I'm going to tell a story. I was inviting this beautiful woman to write a story and be a part of the book the other day. And I just happened to know her dad and her dad's already in the book writing a story. He's already said yes. And I said, your dad's writing a story. She goes, really? I'm going to be in a book with my dad? I'm going to get to write a story with my dad? Oh, I've got to go talk to my dad. We can discuss ideas together. We can discuss story topics together. She was so excited. She was in a project. She was doing something with my dad. With her dad, yeah. And there are, look, I've come across so many families. They are very connected. They have a beautiful relationship between parents and children. You know, the parents get them, understand them, guide them, teach them. And these are some of the beautiful connections that I want to see happen between parents and kids out there. And this is just the start of this. There's a, a, father and son, a father and daughter who's writing stories together. And she is so excited. I'm doing this with my dad. And it just brought tears to my heart. It brought tears to my soul because I said, yes, that's what we want. This is the connection that we want to be making between all these people out there bringing families together, bringing um, parents together with their kids, doing this. You know, there's so many connections that can be reconnected out there. And if we can reconnect more of them, this would be so beautiful, really, really beautiful. So if people want to jump on board, maybe there are people out there, maybe there's a mum listening thinking, yeah, I could get my daughter or my son involved in this and he can write a chapter as well. Where do they go, Stacey? The website. <laughs> go to the website, which is www.1000rippleeffects.com. Now, I'm assuming this can be down the bottom of the line somewhere. So, yes. Beautiful. Well, honey, one, thank you for sharing your story. Any pearls of wisdom that you'd like to leave with our audience? Everybody has a story that needs to be told. Every story that you, every life experience that you have lived through, there's 150,000 other people who've lived through the same experience. And when you speak up, they speak up. It's really important to get your stories out there and let people know that they are not alone, that there is really other people who understand what they're going through. And you will be surprised when you tell your story 150,000 other people will come forward and go, wow, I didn't realise. I thought I was the only one. And you're not the only one. There is someone else out there like me. There's someone who understands what I'm going through. And that's what we want to bring through is that understanding. So if you, you've got a story, please speak. Sh write that story and be a part of this project. This is going worldwide. So if you go to the website, thousandrippleeffects.com, is that right? There is, on the front page, there is a submit your story. Is that how you do it? And you can yes. submit big your story. big red button. Big red button. Big red button. Click the big red button to register. <laughs> and what she's got set up, it looks a bit odd because I did it the other day or today or yesterday or someday. Uh, it's like an event, right? It looks like you're going to an event. That's the yes. um, platform that you're using. It's not the best platform. We could probably fix that. Maybe there's a tech person out there that could help Tracy with the website because the website needs a bit of tweaking because if a lot of people are going to be using it, probably needs a, a bit of better software behind it. But at the moment, you're using Eventbrite, so it looks like it's, you're going to a free event and uh, that gets you on the mailing list and then you get you know, um, guidelines right. on how you know, how to do it and what to write about and all the logistics once you sign up as an author. Yeah. So thanks, honey one. Thanks for sharing your story. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Karen, so much for having me here. And thank you to all the listeners to, that actually hear this as well. So because you're all a part of this book. Even if you're not in writing a story, you're still all a part of it and you will be connected somewhere along the line in the community. Beautiful. 
Thanks, darling. Bye for now. And I found out later that night that was all the food she had in her whole house. And I said, okay, I borrow your car. And she let me borrow her car and I drove down to the shop and I bought everything. I bought all the cupboard, fridge, freezer food, snack food. I bought snack food and drink food and stuff. And I came home with an entire car. But the boot, the back seat, the front seat, the floors, everything was full of food. And she burst into tears and she goes, no one's ever been this nice to me. I said, darling, you gave me a meal and a, a bed for the night, you know, and I realized that this was everything that you had. You gave me everything that you had. And I said, you know, you have family, you have children, mouths to feed here. You can do that. You know, and I took, I ended up staying for four days and I took the children for four days and gave her a rest. She had assignments due for uni and she couldn't do it because she, the children were on holidays. And I said, just give them to me. I took them to the park. I took them to the pool. I took them. We did art and painting on the floor. We did some cooking. Um, I cleaned up all the kitchen. I you know, washed all the dishes and I cooked food for them, you know, breakfasts and dinners and everything for four days. And then I left. I'd only been, I was only supposed to be there overnight. Arrive, leave. But I stayed and I just took care of the kids and the family in the house so that she could get her stuff done. So, yeah, I do things like that all the time. Now it's just, time for people to do it for you. Yes, 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 yes. If you I was, let them. If you I will. Them. I will. I will. I will. Because I've been looking at you know, how am I support? I was already started that about two or three days ago going, okay, I've got this thing of not feeling supported. What if I change it to, I am supported, you know, I am completely supported by all these people. And instead of having everybody against me, what if it's like everybody's with me and I started to change all the thinking and it's like, okay, so it's not everybody, it's them against me. It's now, wow, everybody's actually on my side. Everybody's with me. Everybody supports me. That's it. The universe, the universe is conspiring for me. Yes, yes, yes. So um, very big. I will go home and do all of these things. I will go home. I want you to watch a couple of other things that I've done I think will help you too. I had a fabulous conversation with Jana. Uh, Yana or J-A-N-A, Jana, Jana, Jana. I think she calls herself Jana. I call her Jana. Jana Beeman, Beeman. And I think that... Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, in the US. Mm -hmm. And she's a health... She helps people in the health industry. a coach. Industry. Yeah. Jana. Jana. She's fantastic. I think you'd really get a lot out of that. And we also did a show on money with uh, Teresa de Grobois. Um, two hours that's two hours i don't know if you've got time to watch that but about money about money about receiving money about um generating money about some of the beliefs and thought forms that block you and stuff like that so um yeah but i think the jana beeman one would be, be good for you okay all right i'll put that one down as well Thanks for listening to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. Please remember to subscribe or if you want to get in contact with me or Stacey, go to my website, karenswain.com and send me a note if you want to know more about it. And uh, what else do I want to tell you? Join our Inner Sanctum group for the New World Teachers and um, you know, be a part of the shift, be a part of the force that's changing our world. I teach you how to flow your energy so that you can be that change maker that you know you are. But uh, submitting a story to Stacy's book is uh, the first step. So if you want to submit a story, if you want to learn how to do that in a good way, I can coach you. So let me know. I'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening. Love you all. Bye for now. joining us for another enlightened conversation on Accentuate the Positive. 
If you would like spiritual guidance from my guides, Blissful Beings, go to karenswain.com for a reading or to listen to more enlightened thought leaders share their wisdom. Go to the listen page on karenswain.com and choose who you want to listen to. All the podcasts are also available on iTunes. Remember to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, you name it, we're there. Until next time, bye for now. If you feel like that's what you want